Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined from Columbia by Mizzou beat writer Dave Matter, here to break down another week in Missouri athletics, and this is going to be like the good, bad, and the ugly, Dave, uh, but I guess we could start with the good, um, and this was this is actually great. The border war is coming back. You've had the coverage in the Post-Dispatch. You've You've talked to the powers that, that made it happen, and, and I think this is just great news, man. As someone who who understands this rivalry, grew up around it, I think it's great for college sports. I think it's great for both Missouri and Kansas, and I'm thrilled that it's it only took seven years to get this thing back in action on the basketball court after Missouri left the Big 12. And it sounds like, listening to Jim Sterk in the various interviews that he's done, that football could be right around the corner. You you are usually is as in tune a as anybody on everything Mizzou, did this catch you off guard as much as it did the rest of us? It did, just the timing of it. You know, yeah. I, I know that Jim Sterk has always been open to trying to, you know, get these talks going with Kansas. And a door opened in July of 2018 when Jeff Long took over as the new AD at Kansas. So he wasn't around for conference realignment. Uh, he, he was he was at Arkansas of all places as AD there, so um, he saw the Missouri Kansas fallout from a different perspective, uh, which I think probably helped Missouri to some degree. And you know, as as we know, a lot's happened in Kansas with their basketball program over the last few months. Uh, I think they they needed a positive story, and maybe maybe some of their fans don't love this. Um, maybe Bill Self doesn't love this, but. You know, I, I think Bill may have lost a little leverage in this argument uh, over the last few weeks or months. And, you know, from, from everything we've read and heard out, out of out of Jeff Long, you know, he was really open to reviving the, the series. And I, I think another key was a lot of the other coaches at Kansas were too. And finally, you know, Bill Self fell in line. And who knows, he may not be around for all six of these uh, matchups over the next uh, – starting next year, but – I think in his heart, I, I do believe that Bill likes playing Missouri. I think he knows it's good. Um, he seemed to enjoy that charity game. It's not like he played a bunch of walk-ons, the backups in that game two years ago. He 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 loves it. He just doesn't love the idea, or he hasn't loved the idea of of playing Missouri after Missouri left the the Big Twelve. So, um, you know, the greater good though is Jim Sturt got this done. This was an AD uh, mission. Both of those guys deserve a lot of credit, Jeff Long and Jim Sterk, for hammering this thing out. They got it done Monday in Kansas City, and uh, you know we're, we're going to finally have a, a real basketball game between these two. And it's not going to be for a year, but I think it'll, it'll be worth the wait. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be outstanding, and and just based off of that exhibition that meant nothing, the excitement will be right back. Right. Um, that exhibition felt like it was for. Um, all the Tostitos, if you will. I mean, people were fired up, and and you and I were both there. It wasn't just Missouri fans who were fired up. So right. all these Kansas fans that were so mad that th- this was happening that they decided to sit home. Uh, well, others took their spot. Let's put it that way. If they if there were any of those, the the yeah. one thing, and and this is kind of uh, this is kind of in the past now that it's back. But I never understood with self was the the desire to pin this on. Well, Kansas fans don't want this game. Well, that that wasn't true when they played the exhibition, and it wasn't just because it was for charity. And also, Kansas fans want whatever Bill Self tells them to want for the most part, because now, you know, 
two years since 2017 when he said Kansas fans don't want this game. He says, I talked to Kansas fans and they really want this game. And all the Kansas fans say, yeah, we really want this game. It's like, okay. I just wish he would have said from the beginning that uh, he didn't want to play them because they left the conference. That would have been a perfectly fair reason and understandable. If he said, I felt like I was betrayed and it's a, it would be a, a step backward for the Big 12 to, to, to play a team in a game that people want with a team that left the conference. If they wanted that game, they should have stayed. I would have completely understood that reason, and we all believe that was the real reason as opposed to the fans don't want to play Missouri. I, I, I didn't get that. The, the Missouri-Kansas rivalry has gone back long before the Big 12 ever started. I mean, this thing has this thing has roots that are as old as, as the country, and they're not always pretty. But the the fact that the rivalry is is one of the is one of the more passionate and one of the more set in college sports. Uh, it's not a it was never a Big Twelve rivalry. So any painting of that picture was was false in my opinion. Um, clearly, when you're playing twice a year in the conference, it makes it stronger. But it was never about the Big Twelve. I I do think you know a lot of things are being read into. Could this mean you know self on the rocks? Well, you know any time a coach has a a big NCAA thing over his head. It's not exactly the most stable ground, but I think the relationship between Stirk and Long made this happen, and I think Stirk played it perfectly. The way he tells it, as soon as Jeff Long got the job, he reached out and said, hey, congratulations, get settled in, but when you do, let's talk about this game because we need to bring it back. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I, I, it, it sounds like the Chancellor's got involved in this a little bit too, and uh, it, it just made a lot of sense. And you know, I, I know there's talk too, and Stirk is open to – you know, playing Kansas in football, to me, you know, that would be like a, you know, a nice appetizer, but I, that, that's not the main course here. Um, that game, I, I think people fondly remember the Kansas-Missouri football series for one reason, for 2007 when, when the stars aligned and they were playing for number one in the country and it was a great event. Was it a great event beyond that game? Not really. I mean, it didn't. It never really captured captured the nation's attention. Um, you know, Kansas wasn't very competitive in any of those other games. Although they did upset Missouri in 2008, the next year. Uh, but but if they get that going on, sure, great, add it to the schedule. If I, I hope for Missouri's sake, they don't replace one of their Power Five opponents that they have uh, scheduled for down the road with Kansas. Just add them, you know, because it's not like it's really going to make this. <laughs> the schedule stronger by adding Kansas right now. Uh, you should be able to play Illinois and Kansas, or they've got Kansas State on the schedule coming up. They've got a game against Colorado. Um, you know, it, I, I don't think Barry Odom should back down from, you know, having to add a, a, a program like that, even if Les Miles is still there and they're, um, you know, scrapping by to maybe get into a bowl game. So that that would that'd be nice, but it, the men's basketball is the real story here. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's a, uh it's a a good thing that they play in other sports but it was always about it was always about the hoops and it always will be about the hoops even though Missouri has lost more a lot more than they've won and it's you know right. they, I think they I think if they can win one or two of those games and six they feel really good about it but that's how this rivalry always is it's it's always kind of been uh, at least in the modern era David versus Goliath a little bit and and sometimes the little guy uh, the little guy wins so uh, the other thing I wanted to say is I hope this is kind of a an eyebrow raiser across college sports because there are a lot of games that a lot of people want to see that are not being played for various reasons, politics, um, you know, people being, you know, standoffish toward one another. 
fear of losing to someone, uh, all these different things combined, conference realignment issues. This should be a wake-up call to those ADs, to those presidents, to those coaches. If you're talking about declining attendance, not being able to get people in seats, not being able to sell all your tickets, play games that people want to see. Give people an event that they don't want to sit at home on their couch and watch, that they want to be able to say they were at. That's what Missouri-Kansas is when it happens in basketball, and that's what Texas and Texas A&M would be if they restart that. I mean, get over the the, the fallout from the re- realignment. Every school is going to do its best for that school. But play the games the fans want, and the fans will show up to because that's how you combat some of these issues that are troubling college sports. Absolutely. And, you know, what what's interesting about this series going forward with Kansas you know, conference stakes are not going to be on the line. It's going to feel different. It's going to feel like the bragging rights game because it's the one thing you look forward to every year. When the when the horn sounds and it's over, there's no feeling of, well, you know, we'll get them back at our place later in the conference season. No, it's, this is going to be it. And it's not going to make or break what happens for you starting in January when conference play begins. But it's going to add some excitement to – you know, the non-conference portion of the season where you're not just kind of counting down the days to bragging rights in St. Louis. Uh, you know, this year, Missouri's non-conference schedule for basketball, they've got some nice name opponents, but none of them are at home. Um, you know, they, they play uh, Butler. They go on the road to play Xavier. They play Temple. Um, you know, next year they're going to play Utah. If Utah ever, you know, fulfills the second half of that contract, they're always going to have the Illinois game. But this this adds something to look forward to, you know, heck in the summertime when you're looking forward to college basketball season. So I think that's a, a big plus, um, you know, because Missouri fans, let's face it, even if they expect to have a good team, there's not many games in the SEC schedule you're really looking forward to. It's just it, it hasn't caught on, even though the league is better than it's ever been. Um, this really adds a, a, a milestone kind of peg in the schedule where you can say, okay, here's something we can look forward to. Uh, This is what I want for Christmas, honey. Get me tickets to this game, wherever it is. Totally. And, and it's doing it at a time of the year when college basketball is overlooked and you really get those opening games, the first, the first week of the season, and then it goes off the grid until March and big games like this before conference play starts is a great way to get people talking about college hoops. I mean, here we are in the midst of football season talking about college hoops. So, as we transition into talking about football, I think, I hope this is a lesson for those around us. Hey, put some big games on the schedule. Play that rival that you've been yep. putting off. Play that in-state school that you've been trying to avoid. People will go. People will spend money to watch it. So don't complain about declining attendance and, and disinterested fans if you're not playing decent games and you're not giving people the games they want to see. So that's uh, that's my soapbox rant there. And now we'll flip the page to the other side of the spectrum, a, uh, a, a bad topic for Missouri and something that it's uh, we've had uh, basically a few days now to kind of wrap our heads around what happened down there in Nashville. You were there covering the loss to Vanderbilt, and you've had some great, great coverage of the game, but also some, I think, some really interesting research that you did about Missouri and its tenure and its you know its its percentage against underdogs in the Barry Odom era. Um, you know, a a winning percentage that is thirteenth lowest against teams it's favored to beat in the SEC since Odom took over. Now we can compare this with the with the you know the 18 and and I think it was 18 and, and 7 record that that puts Missouri right up there in the in the top ranks with its past, you know, 
30 so games. So there's there's two kind of ways to, to talk about this, and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. It seems like Missouri is moving in the right direction, yet they have a very very bad ability and a bad habit of kind of getting their Achilles buckled against teams that that they should beat at this year this point in year four. Um, let's start with the game and then we'll get to the bigger picture stuff. What can be said about this game at, at Vanderbilt that hasn't been said? It was pretty much a, a no-show performance across the board for the offense. I thought the defense was a little bit better, but but may also made some costly mistakes, some bad penalties at a bad time, and and didn't do uh, didn't do quite what it needed to do to stop a really good running back in Keyshawn Vaughn. How did you how did you see it in the moment, and what have you kind of come to to think of it after given a chance to rewatch it and, and let it settle a little bit? It, it doesn't get any better, especially for the offense. I <laughs> no mean, doubt. it was just uh, it it was an F performance. Um, they couldn't throw, they couldn't run, they didn't block, they didn't play with. It's what Derek Dooley calls um, heart speed. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. Uh, you know, Barry Odom he he warned everybody last week. He said this team is not good enough to roll the helmets out and win. He said that ain't us, and it, it was like a precursor because this offense looked like they were just going to roll the helmets out in Nashville and that would be enough. And um, it obviously wasn't. I mean, you know, Vanderbilt, their backs against the wall, their coaches on the hot seat. I think he's still on the hot seat, um, you know, but they came out fired up uh, when it wasn't even like Missouri was turning the ball over. I think if they turned it over like four times through a pick six or two, like kind of like the Wyoming game, you come out of there thinking, well, that was kind of flukish. You know, you you take away, you you protect the ball a little bit better, and you you went up and down the field. You feel good about that. They didn't do that at all. They they went three and out and they punted. That was the story of the game. Couldn't get anything going in the passing game. Running game looked soft again, like we've seen a couple times this year. Not the previous week, but we've seen it before at Wyoming, especially. And uh, Kelly Bryant just looked like he took a major step backwards. He just he just could not get any connections downfield. And some of that is it on the receivers not getting open. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, I, I think also he doesn't like to throw a pass where it might be contested. You know, he, it's like he's waiting for the guy to be so perfectly open that there's no way they can, um, you know, not connect together. And sometimes you, you got to throw a guy open. Sometimes you got to make him make a tough catch. And we're just not, we're not seeing those kind of throws from him lately. And uh, it'll, it'll all start with the offense line, the running game. You touched on it pretty well, I thought, in your column. Those guys, uh, they did not look like the line that they were a week ago. They looked nothing like the line we thought it would be going into the season. I was, yeah, my, my frustration started there, watching guys get beat by the same stunts over and over again throughout the game, just no fire off the ball. The offensive line is, it's really confusing how it can go from what it did against Ole Miss, where it was challenged to kind of carry the weight, and it did. It did, it did a great job of that, and then it, play, it also played well against South Carolina. How it, that? Where did that offensive line go in a week, and where did that team go in a week? And that's kind of the root of this, right? It's like, how can Missouri create a level of sustained you know, execution and performance that is not dependent on where they play and who they play? Um, the only thing you can think is that they thought they could just beat Vanderbilt with, with their, with a subpar effort. And I don't even know, I'm sure that wasn't a conscious decision, but clearly something was off. Why does this happen to this team so often? Um, I mean, this is twice now where they've been a top 25 team and lost it, coughed it up the next week or the next game. 
they, they did it in a bowl game last year, so there was some more time off. But cough it up in the next game against a, an opponent they're double-digit favorite ahead of. It's it's really um, it, it's hard to believe sometimes. You know, I think when you take a step back, upsets happen across college football. Sure. I think it, it, this feels more um, like a bigger deal because it's happened twice now in one season. You know, you look back to Barry's first year, yeah, they lost to Middle Tennessee. He was favored. Missouri was favored by like a seven or eight. Um, okay, first year, he was still trying to establish something in the program. Um, you know, had defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator that weren't there, you know, much longer. Um, had issues on the staff. Okay, fine. You know, the, their bowl game in 17, they were favored over Texas. Not really sure why. Missouri was playing better at the end of the year. Texas was very up and down under Tom Herman. You lose that game. Even last year's bowl game, Oklahoma State is a more established program than Missouri. They didn't have as good of a regular season. Missouri's favored. Um, they go in, and that's a competitive game. They lose it. Okay, fine. It's a bowl game. Those things kind of happen uh, when you have four weeks off before it. You know, you, it, it's kind of a crapshoot. But when you get into the regular season, you're an 18-point favorite at Wyoming, then you're a 21-point favorite over a, a bad Vanderbilt team. And let's face it, the first half of the season, they were bad. I mean, they weren't very competitive. They lost by 24 points to one win UNLV. So this th- this is why this feels worse. It's because it's happened now twice in a nine-week span or eight-week span. And, yeah, Barry Odom's been good of late of bringing his team up off the mat like he did after Wyoming, like he did last year after Kentucky, and they went down and beat Florida. And I asked him this week, I'm like, what's kind of your secret to that? And he's like, well, you you hope you can do it again, but you hope you, you don't have to do it all the time. Right. <laughs> That's just as bad. Um, so, yeah, we'll find out. But I don't – it's not that he's overlooking these teams. It's not like Derek Dooley is overlooking anybody in the SEC. He spent three years at Tennessee getting his brains beat in by everybody in this conference. So it's not like he's going to take a team to Nashville – and suddenly think, oh, we got this. This this one's going to be easy. I think the coaches get it, um, but they either there's a disconnect between telling the players you got to be ready for anything, or or something is just off when the game kicks off, and these teams look like they're not ready, uh, you know, to go toe to toe with somebody whose record might not be as good as theirs. Yeah, I definitely think there's some sort of a disconnect because you can see Barry Odom ready to chew through a table after these losses, and the players right. talk about it's a long season. We were in a worse spot last year, and it's like I guess some of that's good because it allows them to to put it behind them and go on, take off on another stretch of wins. But you also have to have players that that understand that you know losing to Wyoming and losing to Vanderbilt is not what this team should be doing. It's too talented for that. And I think if I would have told you that Missouri is going to be five and two. You would have said, yeah, I, I, I could see that, you know, possibly happening. You know, maybe they uh, maybe they lost to South Carolina and, and maybe got upset by Old Miss, but you would have never picked Wyoming and Vanderbilt if I would have told you that right. Vanderbilt was, you know, a team that got ran out against UNLV at home, a UNLV team that got got its tail whipped by Wyoming. So I mean, yeah. that's the it's the it's it's the how that behind the record that makes it confounding and. And, and there's already been discussion this week about every. It seems like every time Missouri loses now, there's talk of well Barry Odom's job security, and and, and I I don't want to dismiss that because you know in, if Jim Sterk's goal is to have a top twenty five team and he says that's the goal, then a fourth year coach who every time twice who has reached that 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 plateau of a hey, top twenty five team and then lost it the next week, that's not what the athletic director wants. So it's a fair conversation. 
But I also think that Jim Sterk is looking at this from the beginning of the Barry Odom era, and he's going to measure the season in whole. I don't think Barry's on the hot seat. But I do think it's safe to say that if this continues to be a trend, if they don't plant their flag in this issue and fi- and move on to another one, then then it could be something that becomes a, a, a deciding factor in his long-term tenure down the line. Not now, not this season, and we'll see how they, they finish this year out. But... If, if every time the team gets ranked, it doesn't show up the next time, and that's happened now three times, going back to that Oklahoma State bowl loss, three times in the past eight games, that is going to be a problem. No, I, I agree. I mean, I just it, – it's it, it's more than just the players. You know, this is about the fan base too, where right when Barry Odom and this team – and I'm not putting it all on him, but but he's the, he's the figurehead – when when they get everybody on board, um, it's like the sooner schooner last week in in, uh, in Norman. They tip over and everybody spills out, and then you've got a busted, you know, schooner for the rest of the season. And it's just he pulls the rug out from whatever analogy metaphor you want to use, um, just squanders this goodwill and everything that's built up that he has earned. That he's earned in recruiting, getting Kelly Bryant, earned with. I think some good hires earned with winning five games in a row at home. Um, a lot of good things that he is doing is getting people on board, back on board after losing all those fans, however many they were, that bailed out in 2015 and, and then when things didn't start off great under Barry the next year. And then you have a Wyoming and then you have a Vanderbilt and you just wonder how many did you lose again and what's it going to take to win them back? And, um, you know that the players don't need to be consumed with that. They just need to worry about the next game, um, not their head coach and all the implications and all winning fans back from 2015 when they were in high school. But that's what the Missouri head coach in 2019 is dealing with, and and the AD too. So I'm going to be really curious to see not only what happens this week at Kentucky and then obviously next week at Georgia, but what does that stadium look like? Um, in three weeks when Florida visits. And that's that's the weird thing about this schedule is when you're gone for so long from home, the fans have a obviously a much bigger body of work to kind of decide, okay, am I on board or not? And obviously a lot is to be decided here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and they can they got five games left to try to stick the landing and, and they have done that in his in his time. November has been the, the month of Barry Odom and, and they need to start it a little bit early here with this Kentucky game. And this is a Kentucky team day that if Missouri didn't learn what a desperate team can play like last week, then it will learn again this week. I mean, this Kentucky team is a proud team that has lost a lot of star players. They're not playing very well at the moment. They've had a ton of injuries already. They've lost four of their last five games. That one win has come against Arkansas. They're down to their third string quarterback. Who's running a wildcat, which I would say that's a strength for Missouri, except they just lost to a, first-time starter at Vanderbilt and and also lost to an inexperienced quarterback at Wyoming. This has the makings of a nothing-to-lose, playing-with-house-money feel game at home for Kentucky as well. It really does. I think you said proud program. I think that's true. Mark Stoops has built something here. They won 10 games last year. You know, they expect to go to bowls every year now. Do they expect to win the SEC East? At the beginning of the season, sure. But he was even asked a question in his press conference this week what is it like that your fans now eight and four is like the minimum expectation for Kentucky football for the fan base. And he said, that's great. I'd rather have it be expect eight and four than four and eight. Right. 
So they have established, um, you know, a standard. I think it's kind of like the mid Gary Pinkle years. Now they haven't won the division. They haven't gone on and played a, um, a cha- in a championship game yet. But it has kind of the makings of that. And Kentucky football hasn't. Nobody's talked about it that way in a long time. Well, here they are sitting at three and four, and they've got a pretty um, winnable schedule from here out. They've got Tennessee. They've got Vanderbilt. They've got Tennessee Martin, and they've got a rebuilding Louisville team. They want to get back to a bowl. They need to start winning some games here now. And um, I'm, if I'm Kentucky, I'm looking at the schedule and say, well, Missouri's five and two, but they just got their brains beat in at Vanderbilt. This is a this is a very possible win. I know Las Vegas says Missouri's a ten and a half point favorite. I think that makes this game even scarier for Missouri. That no doubt. there's going to be some expectation that they win. Um, Kentucky's defense is getting better by the week. You know, last week's game, you kind of write it off against Georgia. They lost 21 nothing. They played in a downpour the whole game. But Lynn Bowden, this receiver turned quarterback, Missouri fans know him well. He had the big punt return last year that swung that game in the final minutes in Columbia. He had more yards in that game, total yards, than Jake Fromm did for Georgia. So um, they are moving the ball. It's a little bit unconventional. And uh, I, I just think it this is a dangerous game for Missouri. I haven't picked it yet. I'll do my picks for for the website on Friday, but you know, last week <laughs> I'm a little gun shy on these tigers. I mean, and, and rightfully so. Um, I don't know. It's like, you think, okay, well, I don't know if they'll cover. They'll win a close game. When does Missouri win a close game? They yeah. Great point. They don't wait. They don't fare well really in touchdown don't. or less games. That's been another bugaboo. Yeah. And, and you know, another thing I looked up, okay. I, I've used this stat a lot for, for Barry Odom's teams they are 22 and 10. Um, in games that they're favored. Well, since Mark Stoops has been at Kentucky since 2013, they have won 10 games as underdogs. That's pretty good. You know how many yeah. they've lost as favorites? Only three. So they haven't been favored a lot, but they usually take care of business, and they'll sneak up on you every once in a while. So it it should not be shocking at all that this is a really competitive game, and it shouldn't shock anybody if, if Kentucky uh, puts Missouri in a, in a losing streak here. Yeah, that's a great point, and I would also add in that that this is a fascinating turnaround for Missouri because they've gone from now losing to a team that Barry Odom has never lost to at Vanderbilt to playing a team in a dire situation for the Tigers that that Barry Odom's never beat in Mark Stoops. Four consecutive losses for for Missouri. Not every one of them belongs to, to Barry, but uh, but he has not beaten Mark Stoops. And, and, and Kentucky, the guys on that team, the, the veteran players, they don't know what it's like to lose to Missouri. So they're not looking right. at Missouri's record as much as they're saying, we can beat these guys. We do it every year. Yeah, and if they were 6-1, and one, maybe they'd think that. But they're 3-4. and four. They've tasted defeat this year. And uh, you know, I, I think if both of these teams play at the, at the peak that they have played this year, Missouri is the better team. I, I don't have any doubt about that. Agreed. I think it's really easy to forget. Missouri dominated West Virginia. For the most part, they dominated South Carolina. They controlled that game at Ole Miss. We all thought that the Troy game was a trap game, kind of scary. No, it wasn't at all. 42-10, to 10, that game was over in the second quarter. So Missouri, at its best, is still a pretty good team, and I, they're better than Kentucky. But last week proved that every game for Missouri that Missouri plays here on out any any outcomes on the table because you just don't know what you're going to get with this team. I, I don't I don't really buy into the the road trend. I think the sample size is too small. That game last week at Nashville, Missouri had more fans there. It's not like they were in some intimidating, hostile environment. I mean, Missouri, it, 
when when the when the crowd was at its biggest, the, the large announced mass of twenty three thousand, there were more Missouri fans there by the eyeball test than there were Vandy fans. So let's let's say this. Let's quit this narrative that Missouri has a road problem. No, that wasn't the case at all last week. No, they have a get high on their own success too early problem. That's yeah. that's their problem. And 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 will the real will the real version of the Tigers please stand up because we're not quite sure what to make of this team at times. And uh, this will be an interesting litmus test on Saturday. So, yeah, you're right. I, I think I, I made my pick earlier this week in an interview. I, I picked Missouri to win, but I'm not picking them to cover because I don't think uh, – I don't think they can they cannot have a close game with Kentucky. However, you make a great point. If the game is close late, then they tend to fall apart and lose. So maybe, I, maybe I've made the wrong one. But uh, I could also, you know, to, to not be the negative Nancy, I, I could also see Missouri coming back and put, opening up the throttle and playing a really good game because it was so thoroughly embarrassed at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, that could be kind of the, yep. the response of this team too. That's what it did after Wyoming. So we don't quite know you know, what, what we're going to get. And that's part of the problem. When you, when you, when Alabama rolls up to a football field, you pretty much know what you're going to get and crazy things can happen, turnovers, mistakes, whatever, but you know, the intensity, the execution, the brand, you know, the standard. And I think that's what Missouri is right now. They're a good football team that doesn't have its standards set in place week to week. And that shows when you get jumped by these underdogs three times in your past eight games so how do they figure that out on the fly it's a tough thing to do we'll see if they can chip away at it a little bit more on saturday dave you'll be at the game with coverage for stl today and the post dispatch we've got some basketball talk in today we'll have more coming up in the coming weeks as the missouri men's basketball team and women's gets ready to start play so make sure you are subscribed to the eye on the tigers podcast on google play or itunes whatever you use to search eye on the tigers podcast or if you're looking for it on the website Go to stltoday.com slash podcast and you can find us there. For Dave Matter, I'm Ben Fredrickson. We will talk to you next time.